Please turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 16. It can be found in, on page 828 of the Bible in your pew. So, but to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds it, itself up in love, as each part does its work. May God bless his word. And a special hello to those that are watching online that can't be here my friend Marek, and my friend Hannah. Before we dive into this passage, I just want to um, uh, remind you again about the Summer Supper. This Tuesday evening, we're going to have our first um, Summer Supper at the bridge, and uh, it'll be a wonderful meal together, a time of fellowship, and here's, here's the ultimate reason to come. Bahar Ibrahimi is going to share her story. And um, if, you, if you've not met Bahar yet, it's incredible what God has done. How God took her and her family, um, Sharam and Setra, out of Iran. And as they were leaving Iran, God had an encounter with them. And not only did they end up coming to the Czech Republic, but they came to faith in Christ in a beautiful way. And you want to hear this story. It will strengthen your heart. It will strengthen your faith. And so I want to encourage you, come to the bridge on Tuesday night. You will be greatly blessed. Well, our passage here in Ephesians, as we've been working through this, uh, this letter, um, is focused in on the body, the body of Christ. And all through the scripture, uh, through the New Testament, the church is referred to as the body of Christ. But the challenge is, is that most of us have a very simplistic view of the church as a body. In fact, uh, I found probably my absolute all-time worst prop so far um, that I've ever used, and I'm going to use it today. Here's kind of how we see the body of Christ, okay? I found this at Tiger. And I don't know why I bought it. It was a moment of weakness, but I did. I bought it. And, and this kind of represents what we tend to think about 
of the body of Christ. There's a few parts that are really important that have to go together in order for us to accomplish things. You know, you got pastors, and you got elders, and you got Sunday school teachers, and worship leaders. You know, and it's kind of like, you know, okay, you got two arms, two legs, a body. The head, of course, is Christ. We got to remember that part. But that's about all we think about, is that we tend to view the church very simplistically. It is not. There is almost nothing in all of the universe that is more complex than the human body. And when God chose that example to say, you are my presence, you are my body here on earth, he wasn't talking about something very simplistic. He was something, talking about something that is interdependent and absolutely beautifully complex. In fact, let me demonstrate it for you. I need you to stand, if you're able. I want you to stand. And we're going to do a little exercise here so that you... Um, you get a, a, almost, yeah, you go, Henry. Here's, here's what I want you to do. It's really, it's, it's going to take a lot of commitment to do this, okay? Are you ready? Are you up for the challenge? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your right leg. I want you to slide it forward. Everybody with me so far? Okay, now here's, here's what you got to do. You got to lean your weight over it like you're starting to take a step. That was it. Good job. All right. Okay, good job. That was pretty simple, right? Okay. Now I want you to do it again, but I want you to feel exactly what your body is doing. What do you feel in your body when you do that simple maneuver? How many of you felt your toes grip? They do, right? You're, you, know, you don't think about it, but your toes grip. Now, if we were actually taking, taking a step, not only would your toes grip and your ligaments begin to move, um, your arm would move because God has designed it so that when you're walking, the reason why we swing our arms is because it provides a counterbalance in our bicep that actually helps um, propel the motion of our legs. All right, now let me give you, go ahead and sit down. You did very well on that. You all passed. Um, I am very proud of you. But all right, that was... Was there anything you could imagine doing that was more simple than that? I mean, unless you're, you're injured. You know, we don't think about the complexity of our bodies very often. But let me ask you this question. How many muscles had to move in your body in order for you to do what you just did? Somebody take a guess. 60. Great guess. You're wrong. Anybody else? 30. All, all of them. That's cheating, and it's not right, but good, good try. All right, well, here we go. The answer is 200. 200 muscles in your body actually moved in order for you to do that very complex maneuver. Your foot alone is made up of 26 bones, 33 joints, and over 100 muscles. God made us incredibly complex. Now, what we need to do is we need to transfer that complexity to our understanding of each of our roles in the church, how we are to be connected as the body of Christ, and that if we're not in the place where God wants us, where he wants to use you and me, use the gifts, the abilities, the dreams, the passions that he's invested in you, then the body has a hard time moving. 
couple of years ago, when we were getting ready for the Third Culture Kids Camp, um, my old age showed up with a vengeance. And, and I got what's called a frozen shoulder. And I've been very, very blessed in my life that I've not had a lot of, a lot of diseases and injuries. Although when I was young, I broke bones all the time. You name the sport, I broke bones in it because I was very competitive when I was young. And so even... Back then, I was a little guy, but I didn't care. I would give it everything I had, and usually the result was a broken arm. So, um, but when I got this frozen shoulder, man, I was, I was trying to go out there and play ultimate and play football, and, and I couldn't do anything because I couldn't lift my arm any higher than that. And it, it was incredibly debilitating, and it was, it was also pretty painful. That's a really simple injury. It's It's, it's nothing. But think about how difficult it would be if you were to have a broken femur, your thigh bone, or to not have an arm or a leg. A part of you was missing. You see, that's the picture ultimately that God is trying to paint for us of his church is that each and every person is absolutely invaluable. God has a role for you in his church that he's not designed for anyone else. And without you, he will not accomplish all that he desires to do in and through his church. So let's take a look at this passage with that picture in mind. Well, the first thing that we discover here back in in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 7, he says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So I want you to see exactly where where the Apostle Paul is starting. He's starting with you. He's saying God has given you a gift to be used for his glory and for the good of others. He has given you and I each personally a treasure. And what that means is that he's, he's invested in your life with, it, with at least two gifts that are designed to be used to show his greatness and accomplish the good of others in and through his church. God has given you gifts to be used for his glory and the good of others. Now, this passage goes on and, and begins to explain it a little bit, but the, the part that we've got to begin with is we have to believe that we are gifted. We have to believe not based upon our ability or our experience, but based upon God's word. God says he has given you gifts. If you do not believe that, you're not being humble, you're being disobedient. He has given you and I, every single one of us, unique gifts. Well, let's look at this some more. Let's read a little bit more here. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But also that he descended to the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. So what we see here is The source of these gifts is Jesus Christ, because that's who it's talking about. And what Paul does is he's quoting from the Old Testament. He's quoting a passage in the Old Testament from Psalm 68, verse 18. 
And it was a psalm of celebration when the conquering king would return. That's the focus of the psalm. And this psalm is used in, um, in Jewish worship in association with um, the holiday that we would call Pentecost, or they would call Pentecost. And for, for the Jews, what Pentecost was, it was the celebration of the giving of the law. It was that time um, when God gave his word to Moses there on, on the mountain. After the, uh, 50, Pentecost means 50 days, and it was 50 days after the Passover in Egypt when the people of Israel had left and were headed towards the promised land. They were in the wilderness. 50 days later, God gave them the law, and they rebelled. They celebrate using this psalm to remind them that God is a conquering king. But the Apostle Paul takes it and, and, and turns it just a little bit. Because he, you see, what normally would be thought of when a king is conquering is that he's bringing his captives with him, the slaves that he would have conquered in the, in the foreign land, and all of the gifts, the people who had been conquered would be giving gifts to the king. Paul says Jesus has done just the opposite. He's taken all that he's been given and he gives it to us. The rewards that Jesus, the conquering king, the one who, who created all things and conquered sin and death and rose victorious from the, from the grave, he has given those gifts to us as his body. He says, you are my presence in this earth and I am filling you with everything you need to accomplish my purpose. And he gives gifts to you and I so that we may accomplish his purpose. This idea of God, uh, of Jesus specifically, giving what he has received to us permeates the New Testament. It's all through it. We see the same thing being talked about in Acts chapter 2, verses 32 and 33. This Jesus God raised up. This is um, Peter. He's talking to um, people on the day of Pentecost again when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the church and they're hearing people speak in languages that they did not know. And everyone that's gathered from all the different nations is hearing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, in their own tongue. And so they're hearing things in Aramaic. They're hearing them in Latin. They're hearing them in Greek. They're hearing them in all kinds of other languages. Maybe there was a check there. I don't know. It could have been early, early Bohemian. I don't know. It doesn't tell us. Parthenians, I know, they, I know they were there. There were lots of people that were there that were hearing this language. And what it says here in this passage is that God raised up Jesus, of which we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this, the gift of the Holy Spirit, that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. So the first gift that every believer has received from God to equip us to be the church is the Holy Spirit. If you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and as your Lord, the Holy Spirit lives within you. You may not recognize him. You may not have developed um, an understanding of all that he does in your life, but God has said he is with you. And he's placed himself in you because he loves you, because he wants to be your comforter, your guide, your strength, your teacher. He also wants to work through you to bring forth the fruits of the Spirit and accomplish the gifts of the Spirit.
This comes from Jesus. Knowing that Jesus has gifted us, each and every one of us, should change our understanding and our approach towards the church and about spiritual gifts. If we really believe God has gifted each one of us, it should be our desire to find out what he's given to us so that we can use it for him. I mean, the truth is you and I should be like children on Christmas morning or Christmas Eve, whenever it is you open up your presents with great anticipation going, Lord, what is it that you've given to me that you want to use for your kingdom? I want to discover it because I want to use it for you. That's the, that's the heart we should have. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse, verse 7 puts it this way. It gives us the direction, the reason why he's given us the Spirit. He says, to each of you is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. God has placed the Holy Spirit in you and in me for us to build up the body together. That's why the spiritual gifts that we've been given and the presence of the Holy Spirit is all designed to work to build up the church. This is one of the reasons why God is so emphatic about unity within his body is because we are to build one another up in love. And, and you guys should, if you've been with us for a long time, you know when I say the church, I am not talking about ICP. I'm talking about Christ's body. All different flavors, all different names over the doors uh, of people that come together. I'm talking about the body of Christ. And that's why we as believers should be building up one another and building up other churches If you have a frustration in a church where you're going to, please don't be critical. That is the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. You may not, they may not do things the way you think you should do things, and that's okay. I'm going to let you in on another secret from the body. Um, I I need you all to, to just do this. Okay, very good, very good. Okay, so you're using, you're using your biceps, you're using a little bit of your triceps, and you're building, you're bending what? Your elbow, right? A very glorious part of your body. I mean, have you ever had anyone come and go, dude, you got such nice elbows? <laughs> Tomas, he's got, he's got nice elbows. What can I say? Yeah, nobody ever says that. But here's the thing. Now, now while you're sitting there, you're going to think this is really weird. I want you to do this, Okay. Yeah, come on, stay with me. It's okay, lunch is coming, all right? Now, that's your knee, right? Do you realize that your knee and your elbow are exact opposites? They work exactly the opposite. If you had elbows on your knees, you would really have a tough time walking. And you'd look like a giraffe, just so you know, because their back legs kind of bend that way. They're weird. Um, it's not like a horse, but it's, it's backwards. Here's the application of that. Sometimes in the church, you may think the exact wrong way to do something is is the way that someone else is doing it. Maybe it's exactly what God wants them to do. Because God didn't make them a knee, he made them an elbow. And he gave them gifts to be used for his kingdom, for his glory, for his honor that work in a slightly different way in order to accomplish a different part of his purpose. 
This is why we don't, we don't want to criticize one another as the body of Christ, but build each other up. People, you're not all going to do things the way I do. Hallelujah. I mean, that is the greatest news ever. We don't want to be followers of one another. We want to be built up together into Jesus Christ and accomplish what he has called us to do for the common good. And as a church, just like it takes those 200 muscles for you to take one step, every person needs to be engaged in the ministry God has called them to. The church should not be like a movie theater where you sit with a hundred other people that you do not know and leave without talking to any of them. We should be connected, and, and, and the way that we connect is to serve one another, to build one another up, to believe in one another. And Jesus is the one who set this example. He, the king of the universe, the creator of all things, came as a servant. He came to serve, not to be served. And that's the secret to real joy. So the beginning part is God has given you gifts to be used for his glory and the good of others. And he's given you, first of all, his Holy Spirit. And secondly, he has given you spiritual grace gifts to be used to build up the body of Christ. We're going to look at those more specifically next week. But let me give you five truths about our spiritual gifts. Because right now, you, you, some of you are just wanting to jump right ahead to the list. You're not going to get that today, just so you know. But I want to give you five truths. The first one is this. The gift God gave you fits you perfectly. The gift God gave you fits you perfectly. Here's what Paul says in, a, in 1 Corinthians 7. I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. In the body, we've got knees and elbows and toes and eyes and ears and everything else. We're supposed to be unique. Paul learned that God uses different people in different ways. And some of those lessons were difficult for him. If you, as you read through the book of Acts, you discover that his partner in ministry, in mission, Barnabas, that the two of them had a disagreement over the person, a young man by the name of John Mark. And, and their disagreement became so um, intense that they parted ways. Well, later on, Paul came to the realization that um, perhaps Barnabas had the right viewpoint on John Mark. And later on, when he's in prison, he asks Barnabas to bring John Mark to see him. What had begun as a difference in strategy, in approach to other people, he came to see how God was working in and through Barnabas, and it changed his heart. The gift God gave you, he chose specifically for you. Second truth, the giver is more important than the gift. It is easy to become focused sometimes on, on our, our spiritual gifts or on our performance of spiritual things, but always remember that Jesus the giver is more important than the gift. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 4 says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. 
All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. The way to build one another up is to look for Jesus working in each person. That's one of the things, one of the things that you'll hear me say often about people is, I, is, is, is something along these lines. You reflect Jesus well. I, I say that as an encouragement oftentimes, but I promise you when I say it, it is always authentic. It's because I'm looking and, I, and God is revealing. I'm praying, say, Lord, help me to see a glimpse of what you're doing in them and through them. And it's beautiful. The body of Christ is amazingly beautiful. And as a church, you reflect him well. Be encouraged. Thirdly, third truth, the goal is more important than the gift. The goal of our gifts is revealed here in Ephesians 4. Verse 12 says that the purpose of it is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature body. It says in the NIV, in the ESV, it says to mature manhood, but it means men and women together, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. God has gifted us to build up one another so that the world around us will see more and more of Jesus. When the church is functioning together, when we're all doing our part, then Jesus is seen in beautiful ways. The fourth truth is this. Every follower of Jesus should have a ministry. God has gifted you and you should have a ministry. Your ministry won't look like mine and mine won't look like yours. But God has given you a ministry. And here's the beautiful, beautiful thing about that is, you may not have discovered it yet. It may not be something that happens within the gathering of a church, within its, within its buildings, because the church is not the building. We do not go to church. We are the church. And so if God equips you with a ministry, it doesn't need to have ICP's name on it. It needs to have Jesus' name on it. That's the only name that it needs. And what I want to encourage you more than anything today to do is to ask the Lord to show you how he wants to use you for his kingdom, for the good of others, and for the glory of Jesus. Because he does. The beautiful things that we've seen develop here within, within this church is God is putting um, his spirit into people and he's impassioning them and new ministries are being birthed. Things like dignity, the refugee ministry. That wasn't something that the leadership of the church dreamed up. That was something the Holy Spirit prompted individuals with a passion um, and, and a conviction about, and he began to grow it. The homeless ministries that happen um, on Saturday and on Thursday, it's the same thing. God is prompting people here, and when we all engage and when we all support one another in the ministry he's called us to, the church grows in beautiful ways. Here's how it says in Romans. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, 
the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. You see, that's an overview of many different kinds of gifts and categories. And by the way, there's not an exhaustive list of gifts in the Bible. There are several different lists. In fact, there's five different lists of spiritual gifts in the New Testament. They're not all the same. Some of them have overlap, but none of them are exhaustive. Because there are certain spiritual gifts that are very clearly revealed in the Scripture that are not mentioned there. Gifts like creativity. The reason I know that as a gift of the Spirit is in the Old Testament, Bezalel and Ohilalab, say that one, um, Bezalel's a little easier, was it says in, in Exodus that he was gifted of the Holy Spirit to make all of the artistic creations and instruments of the temple, or well, the tabernacle at that time. God's a creative God. Creativity is very much a spiritual gift. Artistry is a spiritual gift. Accounting could be a spiritual gift. It's necessary. It's you, bro. All right, every believer has a ministry. We need to find it, and I'm running out of time. Fifth truth, every believer needs every other believer. This is so important. We need one another. 1 Corinthians 12, 14 says it this way. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we, we bestow the greatest honor and on our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. And if one member is honored, all rejoice together. That's how we build one another up. Folks, look for what God is doing in the lives of others and celebrate it with them. Tell them about it. Encourage them. Build them up. Strengthen them. Those five truths will, will help us. The gift God gave you fits you perfectly. Secondly, the giver is more important than the gift. Thirdly, the goal is more important than the gift. Fourthly, every follower of Jesus should have a ministry. That includes you. Every believer needs every other believer. That's as far as we're going to get today, and, and we'll pick it up some more next week. But church, what I want to encourage you to do is to begin to pray. And, and next week, we'll, we'll show some more direction about how you can, you can look for those things, what Scripture reveals to help us discover the things that God is calling us to do. But it begins with a desire. And simply coming before the Lord and saying, Lord, you made me. You know everything about me. You know the passions that you've, in, you've implanted into my heart. You know the needs that, that I have a, a, an inner um, urging that need to be met. That's a good place to begin to look. Look for things that God is passionate about that you're passionate about. And, and, and they will usually revolve around some area of serving need because that's the kind of God we have. 
He stepped into our brokenness to serve our need. That's what Jesus did, and he calls us to be his hands and feet. But believe he has gifted you and that he has called you to use what he has given to you for his honor, for his glory, and the good of others. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you that you choose to live inside of us. Lord, but you're not just there for our good, but you're there as our resource of spiritual strength to accomplish your purpose, to honor your name. Father God, I pray that you would begin to to whisper into the hearts and minds of each and every person here. Reveal to them that they matter to you, that you have chosen them as your child, as your son, and as your daughter. And Lord, that you have gifted and equipped them to accomplish a beautiful purpose that you designed uniquely for them that fits together just as a human body fits together with, those of, with other members to accomplish your purpose. And Lord, would you begin to stir within them a desire to pursue what you want them to do with all that they are. And then reveal that to them, Lord. Bring affirmation about that interest, about that equipping. And Lord, would you pour out your Holy Spirit on us and enable us to be an accurate reflection of you, Lord Jesus, here in the city of Prague, where we want people to see you. And that only happens when we love you and love one another and seek to build up the body of Christ so that it can reach out in love and grace. Thank you in advance or for what you're going to do in your church. We pray this in Jesus' name.